Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad you're here. I'm going to start off today with a quote from Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind. This is from uh, the so-called textbook from 1938. He says, have no fear of tomorrow. Enjoy today. Refuse to carry the corpse of a mistaken yesterday. What untold misery is suffered through the burdens imposed by our yesterdays and the bitter prospects of tomorrow's. The good of the present day too often sandwiched between these impossible situations. The day in which we live is always sufficient. We are to live today as though God were in heaven and all is well. You know, we've been using this book of Beth Kempton's Freedom Seekers this month with the idea of, uh, of obtaining a greater degree of felt freedom in our lives. And, and today I want to continue on with that. She presents a series of what she calls Freedom Keys. And the keys uh, that I'm going to talk about today are the combination of conscious living and gratitude. And I want to, uh, first of all, take those maybe a little bit separately. And then towards the end, I'll, I'll put them together as kind of a, a final push. So first of all, why is conscious living a key to freedom? Why is living more in the present moment something that sets us free or increases our, our sense of freedom? Well, first of all, it puts you in charge. Now, oftentimes our perceived cages, if you will, are our perceived places where we're feeling too much responsibility or tied down or tied up. Generally, that's because we're either living in the past, some kind of an arrangement that was set up that we feel obligated to from the past, or literally we're worried about if I don't do X, if I don't behave a certain way, the future will have its problems. But you know what? Right in the middle, right in exactly the present moment you're in, you can live authentically. There are very few situations that would uh, require you in the present moment to not be able to be authentically you. I mean, right now, think of the infinity of choices you right, have right now. Right now, many of you may feel like you're stuck or, or um, in some way confined in a job you don't like, in a marriage that's difficult, in some relationship that's having problems. There may be areas in your life where indeed there are situations that seem out of your control. But you know what? Right now, you have infinite control. We could all go to the park early. We, we could try our best to have LaRonda sing another song, right? Right in this present moment, despite the circumstances out there that you may be faced with on Monday or, or something that you faced uh, down 10 years ago, right? Those regrets from the past or those uh, worries about the future. In a sense, they don't exist right now. And right now, we can put aside those fears and worries and enjoy ourselves. I think that's where Ernest Holmes in that beginning quote was headed. The idea is, well, you know, that trouble can always be out there, but it doesn't have to be right here. We can choose in this moment to enjoy our lives as best we can. 
that will back burner, if you will, our worries will back burner the fears of things that happened in the past. Uh, We can always pick them up again later if we want to. (laughs) And the thought is, if we continue to enjoy the present moment, maybe we'll never have to pick them up again. The other reason that conscious living is the key to freedom uh, is the idea that it allows you to take a break. How many kids, uh, how many people here either have kids or have raised kids? Is everyone familiar with the timeout technique? So, so that idea of, uh, in, I mean, you know, you put two or three children together and sooner or later, things escalate a bit out of reasonable control, right? Either there ends up being a yelling match or kids are knocking over furniture, doing things they shouldn't do, just in the playful nature of being a kid. But still, beyond a certain extent, it turns into high drama and we need to reduce the tensions a little bit. And one of the the key ways of doing that is just a simple timeout. Okay, we're going to separate everybody out right here. We'll get the coloring books out. Uh, we'll get their favorite readers out. Maybe we'll put on a, a, a fabulous mood. We'll put on Brave, and you know the, the tension will drain as they'll, they'll watch a good Disney film, whatever it is. And what are we doing? It's sort of respite care in a way. It's giving the adults some peace. It's giving the children the chance to de-escalate, to come down. Frankly, we probably all could use a time out now and then, right? Not just for kids. When our lives seem a little bit out of control, when we're feeling a little bit like there's too much drama in our lives, what a blessing for us to have a time out. So uh, some of you know that I used to do uh, foster care for about a 15-year period I did foster care. And towards the end of my uh, career as being a foster dad, one of the things that I did, which I love to do, was providing respite care for other fostering parents. And so when things would get out a little of control, if, uh, if maybe a couple wanted to go on vacation and, and have two weeks off without the kids, <laughs> I was their guy. And so uh, for a number of years, I had some of the most fun and pleasurable experiences by having kids for a week or maybe two weeks while the parents were off doing something else. And do you know what? Of all of my foster care experiences, which went on for about 15 years, the ones I got the most thank you notes from were those respite cares. I got notes like, you know, without you taking the kids for that two-week period, I don't know if our marriage would still be together. I got notes like, I even, well, and of course, kids are famous for not writing notes, right? But I actually got a note even from a kid. Thank you so much. It was a break for me, and boy, was it a break for mom and dad. It made me laugh. My thought is, What can you do for yourself in terms of respite care? Now, I would love to say I'm available. (laughs) I'll take your job over for two weeks. I'll, I'll fill in for your husband for two weeks, whatever it is, right? Probably not practical. As much as I would love to make that offer to you, probably not practical. But what I know is you are all amazingly creative people. And I bet 
Now that you have this idea of respite care in your mind, now that you know you're not faced literally with every day that, that looming responsibility that maybe you don't like, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a money constraints or whatever it is, I know that in your creativity, you can find yourself a break. And it doesn't have to be like two weeks in the Bahamas either, right? It can literally be 15 minutes in the middle of a busy day. You would be surprised how much calmer, how much more easy to process information, how much willing and able you are to move throughout the rest of the day, even after a short break. Even if you just have to go out and, uh, and sit on a park bench for 15 minutes in the middle of a hectic day, you will be shocked by how much that 15 minutes buys you in terms of presence of mind, in terms of probability and possibility thinking too. The other thing I know is when I'm feeling caged, when I'm feeling hectic and in the middle of high drama, usually my choices seem like they're narrowed down to just one or two, right? I walk away, I kill the children, you know? Some, some, some literally crazy set of choices, right? I either, I either quit my job, I either quit my job, or I have a total meltdown, right? Uh, do, doesn't it seem like those are the choices? Well, that's because you're in the middle of the drama. It's because you're in the middle of the high energy, high craziness, high pace. 15 minutes in a quiet room, suddenly you realize you have an infinite number of choices. It's not black or white. It's not life or death. There's a whole variety right in the middle of possibilities that you can take, which you're not going to notice if you stay in the middle of the drama, if you stay in the middle fighting against that boss or that gauge or whatever it is you perceive that's, that's got you bound up. Respite care, my friends, can be your best friend. All right, now we're going to segue into the idea of gratitude because she says there are really two keys to freedom that we want to talk about today. One is this idea of living in the present moment because when we're in the present moment, we can make better choices. We can bring ourselves into calmness. We can find that moment of peace and quiet in our hectic lives. But also the idea of gratitude, and I want to read a short uh, a short message from her book here about this. She says, the freedom key of gratitude and conscious living is about being aware of what you already have. It's about being open to giving and receiving and being thankful for everything. It's about understanding the impact of our actions and finding new ways to appreciate what we already have. Now, why do we stop living consciously in the first place, she asked. How did I get so caught up in the stuff I had to do that I forgot about the experience of living itself? It is our choice to allow the pace to keep increasing, to allow others to set our markers of success, to succumb to the pressure. But ultimately, we can also choose not to be accountable to others and other things. Instead, we can be accountable to our own version of the good life. When was the last time you really thought about what's good in your life right now 
and focus on that. You know, so often uh, there, there's a little saying, uh, it's like a 10% rule, that we spend most of our lives focusing on the 10% of stuff that isn't as we would wish it to be. And we tend to totally neglect the 90% of our lives that are actually pretty darn sweet, pretty fruitful, pretty abundant, pretty loving. We focus on the one relationship that isn't going well instead of the nine that are, are filled with, with love and hope and joy. We, we focus on the 10% of the job that just couldn't be stinkier <laughs> instead of the 90% of the job that's useful to us and where we're making a mark and we, we feel good about the work that we're producing and how we show up in the world. I want to suggest the reason that being grateful, this idea of gratitude is so helpful if we want to get out of some kind of a, a prison that we find ourselves in is because it flips the role a bit. We start concentrating on the 90% of our lives that are going well. Now, those of you who have been hanging out uh, with me for uh, any length of time know that one of the things about science of mind is that it says what we focus on will increase. What, what is the predominant tenor or the predominant flavor of our mind, we will expect to see more of it showing up in the world. It's as though our, our thoughts are becoming things. And when our thoughts are of love, of joy, of peace, of, of gratitude for the 90% of our life that's working, we can expect that 90% to raise up a little bit. We'll start seeing more of what's working right and less of what's working wrong. But the trouble is, back to our 10% rule, if I'm spending a lot of my time thinking about that 10% of things that isn't working right, I can expect to see more of that. And so even if I get out of that situation, let's say I ditch the old boyfriend, I get the new job, I, I have the new boss, the, the great new house is mine. If I focus again on 10% of the new situation that I don't like, I'm right back where I started again. I've just kind of rearranged the furniture, but I'm still living in the same house. So this idea of bringing yourself into the present moment and even one-upping that by finding the pleasure in it, by finding the goodness in it, by being grateful for it, can really serve you well. Let me give you an example of something that's going on in my own life right now. So uh, we noticed this spring, uh, our back porch, uh, uh, well, it looks fine when you're on the back porch, but if you go out into the yard and look back at the porch, it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? It's like you're, you're either you're used to it and you just don't notice that it's not level anymore and it kind of takes a little distance. And so anyway, so we called a couple contractors and I'm thinking, how much could it cost just to jack up? <laughs> oh, all right, so some of you already know where this story is going, right? In our head, we're thinking, well, you know, we could budget out maybe four or $5,000. It couldn't cost more than that to replace the, the, the three steps and to jack it up and and unfortunately we got a good contractor and the good contractor also wants us to fix what caused the deck to sink down in to the dirt which is a poor drainage system it's gutters that aren't working right it's a variety of other things 
And guess what our, uh, we were thinking under three or $4,000 bid really was? I wish it were 30, it was $45,000 to fix like everything because unfortunately uh, it, the, the pier blocks weren't even done right. It was like almost like taking off everything that's there, uh, reinforcing the structure, and then either putting new stuff back on or the old stuff back on. Really a big project. Well, gosh, I don't know about you, but I don't actually <laughs> can't write a check for $45,000. Uh, and I really don't like the idea of 18% interest by putting on my Visa card. And I got to tell you, our house was filled with a little bit of high drama lately. Like, how did we let it get this bad? How did we not know? Why were we watering too much? Blah, blah, you know, like the endless story from, right, the past of how we got into this situation. And it wasn't until really a few days ago, uh, oh, oh, actually, it, it could, you might say, could it get worse? Because of course you get three bids. The $45,000 one was the low bid. <laughs> so as each bid would come in, we're going, well, this will be better. It's like, uh, uh. <laughs> Anyway. Very intentionally, this last week, we sat down and we talked about what a blessing our house is. We talked about how beautiful it is. We took a break from the drama of trying to figure out how all of this could get done at once. And in that pause of what we love about our house, how committed we are to, to maintaining our house well and doing the right thing and, and to the love that we've experienced in that house, we realized we don't have to do this all at once, right? We can still spend exactly the amount of money that we thought we would spend on fixing the problem that caused everything. Next year we'll do another piece. Next year we'll do another piece, right? Suddenly in the calmness that came, with recognizing what a beautiful home we have, what a suitable home we have, what a, what a home that supports us in so many ways, in that width and breadth of gratitude, there was no problem anymore. It may not be able to be fixed like that, but what I know is it's going to be fixed. God will help us figure out the hows. We have enough money to, to fix it so that it doesn't get worse, Right? Suddenly, suddenly we had choices again. Suddenly it wasn't, well, either the house completely falls apart or we get a second mortgage, right? And in the middle of the high drama, that's how it felt. It felt like either we're letting our house fall apart and we're going to do nothing or we're going to have to take out a second mortgage. Once the drama was eliminated, once gratitude came into play, once the, uh, we took a time out, <laughs> if you will, Suddenly, the options became nearly infinite. Some of the work we can do ourselves now that it's a smaller scope, right? The thought of doing all that construction ourselves just created a bigger nightmare. Once it scales down to doing a little bit this year, a little bit next year, some of the options for us doing the work ourselves are even presented. This, this is the ability to take a break and use gratitude. These are freedom keys. 
So I wanna summarize a little bit today. First of all, our cages are generally made up of responsibilities that we've inherited from the past or worries about the future. And I wanna say this again, because this, if any of you are experiencing anything less than freedom, here's where it comes from. Our cages are generally made up of responsibilities we inherited from the past or worries about how things are gonna turn out in the future if I don't do a certain thing or behave a certain way or stand up for a certain thing, right? You notice that's the past and the future. When you bring yourself into the present moment, suddenly you have a million choices of what you can do right now. And worrying about those other things, I mean, believe me, they're either going to be there or they're not. You don't need to worry about it. (laughs) That's the good news and the bad news. You don't need to worry about it. And worrying about it brings about more worry and more misery. You feel helpless. You feel caged, right? In this present moment... There's nothing I have to do about that deck. There is nothing I have to do about that back deck and back porch in this present moment. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have a lovely time at our picnic. And I probably won't even think about it once, right? But how many times do we get involved in a cycle of worry, a cycle of doubt, a a cycle where where we replay or overplay every worst thing that either did happen or might happen to the extent that we lose sight that there is gratitude for the joy in my life right now. There is love in my life right now. There's abundance in my life now. The other thing I want to talk about in terms of summary is that it always helps to take a respite. It always helps to take a time out. Sometimes we think, I'm too busy to go on vacation. I'm going 5,000 miles an hour with havoc coming out every angle of, of my life. I can't slow down, not for a second. I would have you examine that. Because I think you will end up being more productive. Your life will go smoother if you take regular respite. If the breaks are there, if you plan in a time every day during your hectic day just to sit and appreciate your life. And then finally, to summarize, gratitude helps us focus on what's good and right in our lives, which generally runs 90% or more. Why would we give more than 10% of our mental time to our trouble? Let us put it in perspective. Let's highlight the 90% of our lives that's going well. Let us begin to celebrate the 90% of our lives that's going well because that's what sets us up for more things to be grateful for in the future. I'm going to close today with, uh, oh, first, homework. You thought you were going to escape. Sorry. I know some of you are brand new, but yes, I assign homework, the minister that does homework. I apologize, but not really. And uh, so your homework is right out of the book. Uh, Beth uh, Kempter says, homework for tonight is to write down five things that happened today that you're grateful for. And tomorrow, your assignment is to share those five things with someone you care about. She's forcing you to take a time out and do some gratitude. 
All right, I'm going to close with a a quote from uh, Ernest Holmes, actually, and a prayer. Uh, This comes from his book, A New Design for Living, that he wrote in 1959. Ernest Holmes, the founder of the Science of Mind. There will never be more of God, abundance, health, or happiness than is available to you right now. And the only time we can experience what we may desire is today. We can't be happy yesterday. We can't be happy tomorrow. We only have the actual choice of being happy today. We can encompass it right now in our thought of all the good that we hope to experience. For out of the thought of joy of our life today comes the pattern for our experience tomorrow. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. I call this thing God, but you can call it by so many other names. The the universe, the divine feminine, Allah, goes by so many names. But what is true is that it's present everywhere. It's powerful. It's loving. It's joyous. And because I am part of it, I inherit those attributes. God's love is my love to experience. God's joy is my joy to feel and share with others. God's abundance is mine to to feel and sense and live in. And as it is true for me, as it is true for God, it is true for everyone within the hearing of my voice. Everyone can experience in this present moment as much joy as we can handle as much love as is possible, as much abundance as we're feeling and sensing. And so I recognize with great gratitude that the nature of life itself is in this present moment, filled with gratitude for what we have, functioning effortlessly in that place where we put our attention, that that 90% of what's going well. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.com. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.